the technology is there now. I mean, this water literally is drinkable straight out of the plant and there's no risk. It's pure as can be, but they're worried. You know, it's like, this seems scary to people. So they've right. got to figure out, it's like toilet to tap. No, 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 we don't want to do this. You know, right. you have to drink the stuff first and then go, oh, okay. And then realize as the general manager of Monterey Wild always says, hey, we're all drinking water with dinosaur pee in it. Right. <laughs> it's all recycled water. I mean, all water in nature is recycled. So all they're doing is speeding up the process with reverse osmosis and membrane filtration and oxidation and five steps that just kill everything. There's nothing that can survive it. Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today we're joined by Melody Chrislock, Director of Public Water Now. Melody, thanks for joining us. How, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jared. No worries. You know, water has been a, a top issue for a lot of members here, especially from the Central Valley. So we, you know, we love getting water experts on to kind of talk about water here in California. As it seems of, of late, you know, we haven't really got a lot of it from the, uh, the natural sources, which is rain. <laughs> no. So uh, pleasure to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of Public Water Now? Uh, Public Water Now is a local nonprofit here that was started in a late 2013 because the uh, founding fathers of Public Water Now could see that our privately investor-owned water company, California American, was not capable of solving our problems and was making them worse. They were overdrafting. We have two natural water sources here. We're not connected to the California aqueduct system, we're on our own. We have the Carmel River and we have the Seaside Groundwater Basin for the Monterey Peninsula. And then there's other groundwater basins for the Salinas Valley. But they were overdrafting the Carmel Valley River very seriously and environmentalists started yelling, wait, this is not, you know, this can't go on. So, and also the cost was starting to rise about then. The summer water bills, um, the way I got involved actually was I got a $600 water bill from Cal-Am for wow. one month and it was a summer water bill. I live on about an acre and I had just, you know, I landscaped it with a lot of trees and shrubs and stuff. And all of a sudden I get the $600 water bill and I thought, what is going on? So the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission was, um, in town holding a public hearing. So I went down to basically yell at them about allowing Cal-Am to do this. And uh, I didn't get very far. Of course, they weren't really listening. But um, I met the, one of the founders of Public Water Now at that meeting. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I think you might want to join us. <laughs> so that's, um, so I started helping then in the communications uh, part of Public Water Now, running the Facebook page. And um, we mounted in 2014, we put a measure on the ballot, Measure O, to try to um, force the sale of Cal-Am to our local water management district so that it would be municipally publicly owned by the community. 
that failed. And then we regrouped and in 2018, we put Measure J on the ballot and that passed with 56%. So it became a law that the Water Management District has to pursue a buyout of California American Water System. So, and since 2018, I've been the director because the prior director actually ended up on the Water Management District Board. So he could no longer be manager. So that is the story of public water. Now we basically have been just fighting for reasonable, sustainable, reasonable cost, sustainable water sources for the peninsula. And Calam was not coming up with them. They had high in the sky dreams of a huge dam, which got turned down by the voters. And then they went to desal. And the desal has been an issue since, I don't know, maybe 20, 2016 in there, where they began saying that they wanted to build this desal. And we knew from Callahan's past history that that was going to be a bad idea. They, um, they generally overrun their costs extraordinarily. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're, because, I, so 7 million people in California have investor-owned utilities running their water, providing their water. And probably the rest of you don't know anything about how this can go wrong. Right. But it can go really wrong. <laughs> And you can end up with six, $800 a month water bills because these investor-owned utilities feel that their allegiance is to their investors. And so the less water they sell, the more they charge for it. So it gets to be a real problem, the profit factors involved in water. So we were trying to um, make sure that this got transferred into public hands, municipal hands. So that's... That's the background. Right. And it's something you just brought up, desalination. You know, that's something a lot of people are pointing to as kind of the future of, of water here in California. As you know, there's um, rising seas, uh, global warming, we're getting less rain. So where's the water going to come from? Oh, obviously the ocean kind of. Can you talk to us a little bit about desalinization and why you don't think it's a good idea right now? Well, we've had a unique situation here where we have had two parallel projects for water. One is Calam's desal project, and the other one is Pure Water Monterey, a recycled potable water project, which only started about no six years ago now. Much um, and Calam was trying to get their desal much earlier than that, but the um, recycled water project just took off. And it's run by um, Monterey One Water, which was our wastewater um, and you know, wastewater uh, <laughs> operator. And they decided that they would get into recycling for potable water. They'd always been recycling gray water for agriculture, but they wanted to try um, this new technology that they were able to do like five steps of purifying the water. And then they put it in the groundwater basin for a couple months and then Kenland can pump it back out. So to compare the two is what's fascinating. And I think a real lesson for the rest of California, the desal costs were um, very high. The water would be, that was, 
projected to be about six to $8,000 an acre foot in this situation, which is twice what desal water, two or three times what desal water in a large city might be. Like Poseidon, I think, was projecting more like two to $3,000 an acre foot. But on a smaller scale, it gets even more expensive. So unless you're talking about a large metropolitan area that really needs it, it's probably not cost effective. And then the operating, like the operate, the um, operations and maintenance costs over 30 years were $1.2 billion for that desal plant. And compared to the operating costs for the Pure Water Monterey plant it was like 200 million. It was just wow. a fraction mm-hmm. of the cost. And the water was projected to be about $2,700 an acre foot, which is still pretty high, but it was about half what the desal, less than half, what the desal water was going to be an acre foot. So the cost was right off the bat for consumers where uh, Food and Water Watch has already documented that the peninsula has the highest water costs in the country for systems with 10,000 um, people and up. We're, we're at about 100,000 people. And um, we couldn't afford to double that. And Calam said it would double our water costs, the desal, the average person's water costs. And it was, no, we can't do this. There's just um, no way. And then the energy impacts were pretty phenomenal too. The desal plant would use twice, like 52,000 megawatt hours a year of energy. And they did not have access to any green energy. It was all going to be PG&E. So they were going to release about 8,000 metric tons of CO2 a year. They would have been the biggest greenhouse gas polluter in our whole central coast. So the environmental angle was not good. Right. And um, the Pure Water Monterey was using um, biogas from the landfill that's next door to it. So their, um, their environment, environmental impact was almost nothing. It was, it was improving the environment, whereas Calam was adding to the greenhouse gases. And they also wanted to site it in um, Marina. And Marina was not going to get any of the water. So here they were going to put this in a dis- disadvantaged, environmentally disadvantaged community and economically disadvantaged community, and they weren't going to give them a drop of this water. And so Marina was not okay with this. And it threatened the way the Coastal Commission um, a few years back decided they didn't like open ocean intake for desal. So they wanted everyone to try these slant wells. Well, that's what this project was trying. So a slant well basically just goes down under the sand outside the tide line and pulls water down through the sand in theory. But what happened was they, it didn't work quite right, so they had to pull it back and angle the pipes a little differently, and then it started drawing water from Marina's groundwater, and that was going be a problem. So, yeah, so, yeah um, and Calam kept saying, oh, no, this will improve seawater. It'll, it'll fix seawater intrusion. It's like I still can't wrap my head around the idea that drawing in seawater right next to the coast is going to do anything but draw in more seawater. 
I don't know, maybe there's some physics that really prove this, but I don't think anyone really believed it. Yeah. So that was, those were really the primary impacts of the desal. And I know Governor Newsom has just really wanted desal. I mean, the recent Poseidon hearing at the Coastal Commission was very telling. And I was amazed that they did not back down and they said no to Poseidon after all that time and all that money. Yeah, because, you know, in, a, in theory, it, it seems to make sense, right? Take ocean water, make it fresh water. Um, but, you know, right now, kind of where are we with technology and, and how can we make desal make, make sense? It's been around for, what, more than 50 years. Um, obviously, hopefully, it, it's, it's improving its efficiency and becoming more realistic. But kind of where are we at with the technology and desal? And kind of if, if we were to do it here in California, where would the spot be to do it? I don't know. They have to really think about where they're going to put these. And I don't think they really, I think you're still going to have to have open ocean intake and some kind of way to screen for that. Because from our experience, these slant wells don't really work right. Um, Maybe they could, maybe. So, you know, those are the two. But here's another idea that they're talking about for uh, Salinas Valley here. We're talking about doing a desal of brackish water in the basin where it's already seawater intruded. So they would put um, a row of wells that would extract the brackish seawater, brackish, not brackish seawater, but brackish water, which is much easier and cheaper to desalinate because it's not as salty. Right. And then they would use that to um, supply some of the potable water. So that may be, a good idea for California, inland brackish desalinization. But honestly, <clears throat> I think that if I were running California, I would put a lot of money behind recycled water right now and get every community really using potable recycled water. It's so amazing. The, um, when the water comes like straight out of the operation, the five-step process, you could drink it right there. Mm. Right now, there's no laws that say you can do that. They say you can't do that. You have to put it into a groundwater basin. But in three years' time, it will probably be direct potable use. That water, I mean, I've tasted it from the plant before they inject it into the seaside basin. It tastes like mountain spring water. It's amazing. And there's no toxicity in it whatsoever. It's so thoroughly purified. They have to add minerals back. And then they inject it into the basin. So if you don't have a basin to inject it into, you can't really use this um, right now. But when it becomes direct potable use in a few years, any community will be able to do this with their recycled water. That's a real, it's really important. And I, I hope that legislators will begin to realize what an incredible solution this is. Any of them that want to can contact Monterey One in, um, on the peninsula and take a tour of the Pure Water Monterey plant. Right now, it's producing about 4,000 acre feet of potable water a year, along with um, a lot of non potable water that goes to agriculture. And it's about to be expanded. And by the time, two more years, 
it'll be producing close to 6,000 acre feet of potable water yearly. That is two thirds of the peninsula's water supply. So we're about to be almost, you know, two thirds recycled water, potable water. Wow. And that's, I mean, we're gonna be in a lot better shape than the rest of California because of that. Once yeah. this gets built, it would have been built by now, except that the, um, the problem with investor-owned utilities is they have a lot of lawyers and they really don't want any project that's gonna compete with what's gonna make them money. So they have stalled the Pier Water Monterey expansion for at least two years now. Wow. And put us into you know a drought where we could have been storing water all this time and we'd be in great shape. But no, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, some of these I, I I cannot recommend anyone ever allowing their water system to be bought by CalAM. I don't know anything about Cal Water or Golden State, but California American has been really a pariah here for us. Just right. unreasonable unresponsive to the community and we have no control over them only the cpuc or the coastal commission has any control over these investor-owned utilities for water interesting yeah that's one thing we've touched upon is that is the kind of the inter interwoven regulatory bodies over over water and how many different agencies are involved so yeah it's a it's a convoluted mess uh, especially when you're on right. the coast right and then there's the state water resources control board too yeah um, three are the only ones Calum is answerable to and Unfortunately, the community doesn't really have access to those agencies. Um, the Public Utilities Commission doesn't really listen to the public that much, if ever. Um, the State Water Resources Control Board doesn't. The Coastal Commission actually does. They're the only ones. They actually were able to stop the progress of Calam when we presented the real picture that we saw what was happening in our alter alternate um, Water Monterey project. And when they looked at that, they said, well, yeah, this makes a lot more sense. And so, so far, they have not permitted CalAM's South projects. <laughs> Let's hope they don't. Right. <laughs> because, nope. yeah, they wanted CalAM's South project, they wanted to produce, they wanted to give us 6,000 acre feet a year. And we have no use for all that water. We'd be paying water, we'd be paying for the cost of water for 200 years out. I mean, we could never use all that water. We right. need about, we're right now, this whole community of 10,000, of 100,000 people uses 10,000 acre feet. That's all. We're really low water users because the water's been so expensive. People have cut way down. It's not too hot there either, so. No, it's not. You guys I mean, are lucky. <laughs> yeah, luckily. Yeah. Well, it's hot. No, actually, it's hot in the valley. So, you know, there, it's, it's hot out there, just not right on the coast. Right. And, you know, one, one thing you keep mentioning is, is you're like in three years, you know, this technology will be at this point kind of what, what's, what's happening to the, the technology of recycled water and, and why is it going to be in a different place in three years from now? You know, right now it's really just legislative and, and then getting the laws through the technology is there now. I mean, this water literally is drinkable straight out of the plant and there's no risk. It's pure as can be. But they're worried, you know, it's like this seems scary to people. So they've right. got to figure out, it's like toilet to tap. No, 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 we don't want to do this. You know, right. you have to drink the stuff first and then go, oh, okay. And then realize 
as the general manager of Monterey Wild, it says, hey, we're all drinking water with dinosaur pee in it. Right. <laughs> it's all recycled water. I mean, all water in nature is recycled. So all they're doing is speeding up the process with reverse osmosis and membrane filtration and oxidation and uh, five steps that just kill everything. There's nothing that can survive this. And then how, um, you know, how doable is this solution in other communities up and down, up and down the state? What does it take? What do you need to put in a recycled water plant? Well, I know uh, Soquel is doing Soquel, um, Pure Water Soquel. So other communities are starting to, to try it. I think just a lot of communities don't realize that they can do this yet, or they just don't have the will to figure it out. But in communities where water has become really a problem, they're looking at it and starting to you know, investigate it. Orange County has been doing it for almost, I think, 50 years. They have one of the oldest recycling um, systems around and they recharge their groundwater. And it's one of the reasons they did leave the siding. Right. <laughs> that was, they really don't need the water. And I think there's another big recycled water project going in somewhere in Southern California. I don't remember, maybe from Metropolitan Water, I'm not sure. Interesting. But yeah, I think it's coming. I think it's coming fast. And because the technology to do it is there now, and it's it's just the legal um, situation of having it for direct potable use is not there yet. So you have to have a groundwater basin, right? To store it in for two months. You know, kind of as we talked about, you know, water is always top of mind for for a lot of members here. Kind of what are, what's some of the legislation you guys are looking at this year and, and working on? Well, we're not. You know, we're not really um, doing it. We don't do legislation. I mean, we're just a community nonprofit. Um, we don't have any lobbyists other than if I get to do that job myself, which I have. But um, there's, I don't know what, uh, you know, right now everybody's just, you know, terrified that we're going into this huge long term drought. Right. And I'm not sure. You know, fear doesn't really help. I mean, and the state did not put very much money toward water solutions in their in the extra money they had in their budget. And I don't know why. That's the biggest problem we've got in California. Without water, we're over. Right. <laughs> yeah, you really have to pay attention to the water situation. So I don't know. Um, the only legislation that's um, out there right now that I'm aware of is this bill that the private utility, have, private water utilities have put forward um, through Senator Bradford, for some reason, decided to introduce this legislation, SB 1469, that will be heard in the Assembly on August 3rd. But this is a good example of why <clears throat> It's just investor-owned water in California is a bad idea. We have water scarcity, and the last thing you want is a for-profit entity calling the shots on your scarce water. And so here's what this SB 1469 is doing. Two years ago, the CPUC looked at this RAM surcharge program, 
and they had 10 years of data and they compared five, five utilities that were using RAM with five utilities that weren't to see if it had increased conservation, which was the point of the RAM surcharges. No, it did not do a thing to improve conservation. And so they said, no, I think this is, we're done. No more RAM surcharges. Because on top of it not increasing conservation, it had allowed these utilities to exceed their authorized profit margins. You know, they're not supposed to be able to make a killing off of people's water. They have a ceiling on it. But they were getting around it by using the RAM charges. And here we had in the last drought, California Americans said, oh, conserve, conserve, conserve. We did. We conserved like crazy. And as soon as the drought was over, they said, oh, well, now you're going to have to pay for all that water that you didn't use. $64 million they put on our water bills in RAM surcharges. So I don't know that many communities have experienced what these RAM surcharges really do. And I think that's why it went through the Senate and was passed unanimously. I don't think the senators understood what this really is. The way it's written, it sounds really nice. It sounds like it's really going to do something great for conservation. But the CPUC already has the data. It didn't. Right. So um, that's, a, that's a big problem. Headed 7 million people's way. If they pass that in the assembly, then that's going to raise the water costs during droughts. Whenever people conserve, they're going to have to pay for the water that they don't use, which is crazy. You know, you ask people to conserve and then charge them for the water they're not using. <laughs> right. What's wrong with that picture? Yeah. Especially today with, you know, rising costs across the board for people at yeah. home, you know, really. the last thing they need is a, is a water bill that they don't expect. I hope that uh, any assembly members that are listening to this will talk to the public advocates office at the CPUC about this because they have the data that the CPUC collected. They can make it very clear what's going on here. The right. utilities are not telling the legislators the truth. They want They've got a billion dollars in their RAM surcharge accounts that they want to be able to collect. It's just sitting on the books and they can't collect it because the CPUC said no more RAM charges. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, Water politics in California. Exactly. You know, it's, it's funny. You're just talking about the budget. You know, here we had this hundred $100 billion budget and, you know, water is top of mind of a lot of people. But as you said, you know, that yeah. wasn't one of the main investment areas of, of this budget. Um, no, I, I don't understand why. <laughs> right. It kind of makes you think like, oh, do we really have a drought? Is that is that really a big of a problem as, as we think it is? Oh, yeah. Like in the Salinas Valley, in Monterey County, the Salinas Valley has got serious issues. North County, they use the Salinas River. That's, it feeds all the agriculture. It's kind of a miniature situation of the Central Valley. And they're starting to see big problems. Their wells are running dry. Right. Yeah, we're seeing it firsthand. And there's problems. Yeah, we're seeing down in the Central Valley, you know, communities that were taking water out of the ground and the ground kind of collapses in because there's no water under there to support it anymore. So, uh, you know. Yeah, and and it creates here, because we're on the coast, it creates seawater intrusion. So then it starts making the water they're using for agriculture, you know, too brackish to use. So yeah, they've got North County, uh, the North part of our County that's on the, you know, seaward side of the County has got big problems with water for agriculture too. 
interesting. Well, Melody, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about recycled water. It sounds like a exciting kind of new frontier out there. And uh, hopefully we can get some more communities to look at this as a, as a solution for some of our problems. Yeah, anybody that's interested, I'm sure that the general manager, Paul Shido at Monterey One, would be happy to talk to you and give you a tour if you want to come for a visit. It's okay. Quite and, an it, and if we want to find more information about you or Public Water Now, how can we find that? Uh, publicwaternow.org. Okay, perfect. Well, Melanie, thanks so much and uh, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you.